This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni. And I'm Tefra Jemian. And this is the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, shavering favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as As bad bad food. food. Today, we're talking all about apples. Before we dig in, I want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. I got into a really fun Facebook conversation the other day on a friend of mine's post with one of their other friends who had asked why colonialism is bad like writ large they were like i'm not you know rejecting that notion but i'm curious about like you know can you explain it to me and i was like yes i can (laughs) and so i kind of got to talk to them a little bit this was in the context of you know canadian thanksgiving and columbus day about how like you know when we talk about colonialism in North America and colonization in North America, we tend to talk a lot about the British. We tend to focus a lot on the British because that's kind of the main sort of empire that was here for a long time. But frankly, it wasn't the only one. We had a lot of Italian and Spanish and Portuguese and French. And I think that's the whole list. Dutch. There's the one I was missing. I always forget about the Dutch, but you can't forget about the Dutch. The Dutch were also a big part of it. And it's interesting to think about that because like (laughs) that that whole corner of europe was doing a whole lot of this is mine this is mine let's take those resources and uh that extends a lot beyond north america as well we think a lot about how that you know negatively affected indigenous people here but um let's face it we wouldn't have had a transatlantic slave trade had there not been a shitload of colonization happening in africa so you know No matter where you are in the world, I guess is the point I'm trying to make, look into the troubled history of your area, find out what went down there, and find out how you can be actively doing work toward reparation in your home. So one other thing before we start the show today, you may or may not have noticed, you probably did notice, that I have a co-host on the show now, and I want to officially welcome Tefer Jemian to 
No Bad Food as my co-host. Hi, it is so nice to join this project. Obviously, I've been a big fan of No Bad Food since its inception. I was uh, badgering Tom to get this show started for about a year before it actually did. I love food. I love talking about food. I love history. I love nerding out about food history. And I'm really excited also to just be on a project with you, Tom, because it's been a long ass time since we did a project together. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Uh, So listeners, you may or may not know, Teffer and I are romantically involved. (laughs) You're just going to tell. I know. What a scandal, right? (laughs) We share children and a home and whatnot. Um, And we have wanted to do a podcast together for years. Mm -hmm. Um, We almost did a like musical theater podcast together. Uh, We like fleshed out a whole branding for it and everything. We had a jingle. We had a jingle. We had cover art. We had everything basically. And then we had a baby and didn't do that podcast basically um and so we've kind of put the idea of doing a podcast together on the shelf for a little while and i was telling teffer the other day i would really like to bring on a co-host and teffer was like duh i'm right here bro bring me on the show and i could not think of anyone better honestly i think this will be a lot of fun i'm really excited so uh get used to it folks because there's going to be a second voice here a little bit more often and today we're talking about one of my favorite things. Tom, do you want to tell the people what it is? Absolutely. I mean, we kind of hinted at it before, hinted at it. We kind of said it outright. We, we just we just straight up already told the people. We, we straight up already we told, told the, people. the people. They've seen the episode title. You know what's going on, folks. We're talking apples. Tefer, you are the biggest apple nerd in the universe. <laughs> Can you confirm? Why, thank you, Tom. I mean, no, I, I think there are certainly people out there who have earned that title more than I have. I am an amateur apple enthusiast at best, but I do love apples and I know a um, startling amount about them. Okay. <laughs> Before we get to the startling amount that you know about apples, I have some apple facts and I wanted to see if any of these apple facts are ones that you don't know. Oh, shit. See if I can stump you a little bit. Game on. Game on. You know, what better on your first episode than a little hostility? These never go well for me. No. I'm going to show my ass right (laughs) off the top. (laughs) Good thing it's an audio podcast. Um, So I got three questions for you. I want to see if you know the answers. What was the only type of apple indigenous to the Americas when the British arrived for the purposes of colonization. The crab apple. Correct. Ha! <laughs> That's right. There were no apples the way that we know them here back in the day, despite the fact that, well, not Canada specifically, but the United States, you know, North America is the second largest producer of apples in the world. Who's the first? England? Incorrect. <gasps> China, in fact. You know, my second guess was going to be Japan, and... Uh, not the same. It should have been China. <laughs> I'm... I'm just not very smart. That's All right. okay. Let's see if I can get two out of three. Yeah. There are, in fact, over 7,500 varieties of apples in the world today. Back in the day, there were thousands of different varieties and cultivars of apples in the United States alone uh, because the British brought them over and loved them so much that they were like, let's fucking make a bunch of different kind of apples. Uh, but because of, you know, modernization and supply and demand, it was much easier to make a ton of a couple of varieties than to make a ton of, you know, thousands of varieties. So that number has unfortunately really significantly dwindled. One thing about apples that has not dwindled is uh, the amount of fiber that they have in them. Fiber, of course, is a uh, vitamin that is very good for your poops, for your colon, for making sure that you got good poops coming out of your colon. Um, what part of the apple holds the most fiber? The skin. 
That is correct. Most normal people would call that the peel. But yes, the skin or peel of the apple is the part that has the most fiber. That was so rude. <laughs> Welcome to the show, babe. <laughs> You're so rude. Um, okay, those are my apple facts for the morning, uh, for the day, for the apple episode. I got, I got two out of three. Two, two out, out of three, three bad. Two out of three and bad. I won't be sad. Yeah. 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 So, uh blow my mind let's talk about apples a little bit why do you love apples so much also can we get into that right at the gate well son <laughs> not your son <laughs> i come from apple country <laughs> all right <laughs> um i grew up in ontario in farmland basically sure. uh, a land that you know was once forested but got clear-cut by the colonizers to raise sheep mostly <laughs> and there were cows and sheep and stuff and uh Outside of my house, not technically on our land, I believe it was technically on public land, given yep. the distance from the road, we had a very old, very large, very beautiful apple tree. I mean, probably 100 years old, thinking about the size of it, because if you've seen an apple tree, they're not big. They right. take a long time to grow. They grow very slowly. Uh, I mean, if you're at an orchard, they're usually pruned down because they will have a higher yield if they're pruned back. Sure. And this was a very old, unpruned wild. I mean, clearly not a wild apple, clearly a, a heritage heirloom breed. Mm. And we had like our rope swing in that apple tree. Like I grew up climbing in that tree. And every fall we would get just this beautiful crop of apples, uh, thousands and thousands. I mean, they'd fall off the tree. People would come and pick up the windfalls. Like there were so many. Right. We kept them all in the in the um, cellar and ate them throughout the year. But they were just best right off the tree. You know, there's nothing like picking an apple off sure. the tree. I don't know the variety name and I wish I did. Uh, it had a, a cream and red and pink streaked peel, mm. mostly red, but but really mottled. And the inside was veined with pink. It was a, a really crisp white flesh veined with pink. If anybody knows, if anybody is like, oh, that rings a bell, I know what that apple is, please tell me. Because I have found there are a lot of pink fleshed apples. There's mm. like pink lady, there's pink pearl. Pink lady isn't pink fleshed. Pink pearl is pink fleshed. A lot of cider apples have pink or red flesh. But I have not seen that specific pink veining mm -hmm. in an apple anywhere else. Right. Beautiful flavor. Beautiful balance of tart and, and sweet. Uh, really, really crisp. Just beautiful apples. And we would make applesauce. We would make apple butter. I mean, we really... Just ate tons of them in the fall. Our neighbors, and I mean, we were out in the boonies, so our neighbors were a kilometer and a half up the road, um, also had old, beautiful apple trees that had been there forever. Big old stone farmhouse sure. with uh, um, white transparents, which are a beautiful apple, which you should get if you ever have the chance to. They're very pale, as their name suggests, mm -hmm. and very crisp and juicy, kind of like a ginger gold, which you've had because I buy yeah. so many ginger golds in the I, fall. I do love a ginger gold. That is, in fact, <clears throat> the apple that I crunched into at the beginning of this episode. Nice. I crunched into an empire. Let me tell you about this empire. Sure, tell me about the empire. I picked this empire on Saturday with Bailey, my co-host of Yeah! podcast, and uh, we were in the orchard, and Bailey was like, oh, I think these trees are Macintoshes. They kind of look like Macintoshes. I love eating a Macintosh right off the tree. And I took one and I took a bite and I said, this is an empire. <laughs> so how do you know? How do you have this? This is like, this is one of those things, you know, everybody has the things that they know a lot about, right? For for a lot of people, it's like probably related to their studies, you know, maybe you're an English major, so you're like, oh, I can recite every single one of Shakespeare's sonnets. Or, you know, maybe you're you're an astrophysicist, so you know what the, the eight planets are. Whatever your vast bank of knowledge is, 
it's usually something that kind of comes from from a place of like having to know it a lot of the time. What made you know so much about apples? How did your passion for <laughs> apples cement itself? And how do you identify an empire the second you take a bite out of it? Well, I only really identified my passion for apples a couple of years ago. Mm. I was just suddenly like, oh, other people do not. <laughs> <laughs> Other people don't care about apples (laughs) the same way that I care about apples. Right. And um, I mean, I think I started kind of identifying it when I started thinking really actively about eating in season, which Mm -hmm. I think is something we've talked about before. But I... I like eating seasonally. We live somewhere with four defined seasons, and I find it helps my seasonal depression. Um, It helps me feel more in tune with the rhythm of the world to eat seasonally. Mm -hmm. Apples are one of these things that we have year-round, and we have them year-round because they store well. Right. And one of the reasons that actually apples blew up with colonizers in North America was we have these very harsh winters. Mm -hmm. You want to grow things that will keep um the last time i was on we talked about salads and we talked about how salads are a different thing when you have greens growing year round right you grow a lot of apples when you're not gonna have fruit for six months of the year yeah that makes sense you can put them downstairs and they will last and you can bake with them you can eat them raw right because when it's midwinter you like i don't know about you but i know midwinter i start craving the green and growing things so bad at the beginning at this time of year it's like yeah all the soups and all the roasts and then by about like february i'm just like if i don't eat something that has cells (laughs) uh, i guess I guess everything we eat has cells. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Something, something fibrous yeah. and and vegetably or fruity. And 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 um, as Toby would say, beautiful and alive. <laughs> beautiful and alive. You know, I don't like to. I don't like to think about winter too much no. in the fall because I know it's coming and I know I'm gonna have to think about it for too long. And there's something really depressing to me about the idea of February being midwinter. <laughs> Because it means to me that our winter is so long. I have been trying to cement that in my mind. Mm -hmm. Because for me, after Christmas, my brain goes right to, now it's springtime. Right. And we live in a a miserable, miserable (laughs) place called Montreal. uh, Where tourists see photos taken only in June. Yep. (laughs) Um, But winter really does last from November until often the end of April. Yep. Like sometimes we start to get spring at the end of March, but usually the cold, the chill, like I can't put plants outside till mid-May. Right. Um, it's It gets very cold here. And so I have been to manage again my seasonal <laughs> depression because I hate this shit. <laughs> um, I've, I've started just like telling myself, no, February is midwinter. <laughs> sure. <laughs> anyway, all this to say, thinking about eating seasonally, mm-hmm. Um, apples we eat year round. You can always go to the store and pick up your galas or your honey crisps or your whatever's, your Granny right. Smiths. Hopefully not your Red Deliciouses, because Jesus Christ, have some standards. And because of that, like tomatoes, because we can get tomatoes year round as well, because mm-hmm. they're often grown in in hot houses or picked uh, unripe and ripened slowly. We're so used to having those that we have no standards. Mm-hmm. Like you just buy them because because they're such a staple of our diet now. Right. Like, right, if you're making a salad, you're going to grab a tomato. You want some fruit to have, you're going to grab some apples. Right. And because of that, I think a lot of people have no idea 
how different a fresh apple in season is. Sure. Because a fresh apple in season is as different from a grocery store apple in March as a fresh tomato in season is from a grocery store tomato in March. Um, Apples store very well, but their texture degrades. Everything's texture degrades because the apple is consuming the energy stored in its flesh uh, to keep itself, like, fresh and from withering. Right. So when I moved to Quebec... Uh, 12 years ago now, I moved from Boston. And in Boston, there were apple varieties available, and it was quite nice. But the agricultural culture in Quebec is so unique. Hmm. Um, When you live in Montreal, there are farmer's markets everywhere. People go to the farmer's markets. We're very connected with food producers in Quebec, which I think is lovely. I I really, really love that about living here. Like, as much as I bitch about living here, I think it is wonderful that you can go to the market and buy your produce from the farmer who grew it. Like, that's that's fantastic. And Quebec produces a lot of apples, Uh, has a lot of orchards, a lot of um, citreries, the cideries. Hmm. And so you can get a lot of local apple varieties here and you can get them fresh in season and right. people just go to the orchards like that's something you do right. uh, in the fall because it's less than an hour from the city. It's really easy to go and get your several kilos of apples for less than 20 bucks. Right. So when I came here, I, I really got into the habit of only buying apples in season. Okay. Because I was for a time married into a family that would buy several bushels of apples from an orchard and just eat those all year. And they would degrade so badly. Like by the end of the year, they would be so mushy and really like, in my opinion, only good for cooking. Sure. Yeah. So I just got very, I don't know, I got very invested. I love a fresh apple. A fresh apple off the tree is a delightful thing. And I think too many people don't know both the joys of its freshness and also the multitude of kinds of apples there are. Mm-hmm. There are so many kinds of apples. They all have different flavor profiles. They have different textures. And that ties into what you were saying before. How do you know it's an empire off the tree? Right. Part of it is that empires are one of my favorite apples. Sure. Uh, they're ones that actually store very well. So they're a, they're a variety that I will buy throughout the year because I know that they're going to store decently and their texture is going to be good. Right. Um, but, I mean, I'm holding an empire in my hand now. I'm holding it up. <laughs> an empire doesn't look like a Macintosh. A Macintosh has uh, primarily green skin with a pink blush to it. Okay. Um, and the pink blush will cover most of the apple, but there's still those patches of vibrant green. Macintosh is um, squatter, so it's shorter and it has more of a, like, little plump belly. Sure. Empires are quite round. Yeah, it's uh, almost a tennis ball. It's and I mean empires, this is I took a little like twilight shot with this. Like this is the right. twilight apple. An okay. empire is a deep red. When it's on the tree it has a dusty coating. Okay. Um, which protects it. And you take it off the tree and you rub it and it shines to this just beautiful scarlet gloss. Right. Uh so first of all, from the exterior, it doesn't look like a Macintosh. Sure. And I know that looking at it. Uh and then you bite it. <clears throat> and with an empire they're so crisp and for me that's everything i love a crisp apple now it's different from the crispness of a ginger gold because a ginger gold's crispness is very delicate Mm. when you bite into it there's that crunch but it's almost more of a um the crunch dissipates right you crunch through the skin you crunch through the beginning and then you have this really delicate flesh sure uh that that's very juicy the it's very juice forward rather than like crunch forward sure yeah um like a pickle uh, yes, but not as squishy. Right. Crisper than, like a grape. Okay, sure, like I a, see like that. A, like a crisp green grape. That's yeah. kind of more. With an empire, it's denser. Okay. It's crisp all the way through, but the flesh is denser. Um, so you're like, ah, 
you're like crunching through it like your teeth kind of have to work going through it whereas right. with the ginger gold it'll just like okay all right um, but empires are quite juicy Empires are juicier than Macintoshes. Macintoshes have a dense flesh that you kind of have to, to bite into, um, but it's not as crisp. Okay. Um, so you'll cut through it faster. It's it's more flesh forward than juice forward. That's what makes the Macintosh a great uh, baking apple because the flesh really holds together. Right. And it, it when you're making like sauce with it or cooking it in a pie, it really just melts down into a like beautiful soft apple goodness right. but i don't think macintoshes are the best for eating out of hand sure fair enough yeah. i think that there is something really interesting about like how apples can be for you know i say this a lot i say this a lot on the show because this is something that i think is cool about food in general but i think especially cool about foods that have so many different varieties so many different cultivars the idea that you can take different kinds of apples for different purposes, right? Yeah. Would a ginger gold be good for baking with as much as it is for snacking? Because it is kind of a perfect snacking apple. Ginger gold is a perfect snacking apple. The only caveat with a ginger gold, and we're starting to see this with the ones we're getting at the store, is that they have a very short season. I've noticed. Ginger golds are good. Ginger golds are good until their skin starts to blush pink, and then the texture degrades. They're just not good anymore. It's already starting at this one I'm looking at. And that's why they're a September apple. Like, you want to eat them when they're still green. You don't want to eat them once they've turned yellow right um i think i've never baked with ginger golds because okay. it feels like a waste sure fair enough my <laughs> hunch though is that they'd be a great juice apple mm. um but i think as a baking apple they're too delicate i think their texture would fall apart fair enough and i also think the flavor is pretty delicate and i don't think it would stand up well to baking so i'm gonna say mm. no i think ginger golds are a beautiful snacking apple and sure. i mean use them for baking if they're all you have but right. you're they're not gonna be all you have <laughs> Right, like, yeah. I have to work so hard to find these. I can get these in September only. <laughs> Listeners, you, you deserve to know that ginger golds are such a hot commodity in this house that I, I literally, if I go to the grocery store and see them, I will buy them. No matter what. No matter, like, if it's inconvenient to bring them home that day, it doesn't matter. I have to buy them. It's a rule. It's a rule. It would be a betrayal. Yeah. Like, I don't have that many. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have that many ultimatums. <laughs> the apple ultimatum is the one though if you yeah. see ginger golds and you don't bring them home don't bother coming home yeah yeah and you know what i get it i think that's fair i respect that um fun fact about empires coming back to them for a second uh did you know that they are in fact a hybrid of the macintosh and the uh apple that you think is bullshit the red delicious your eyes just got so big <laughs> You just like, you know, when two kind of subpar people have an excellent child. Don't I? (laughs) Wow, that kind of blew my, that kind of broke my brain. Right? I'm like, wow. Yeah, so apparently Empire was a clonally propagated cultivar of apple derived from a seed grown in 1945 by Lester C. Anderson, a Cornell University fruit nutritionist who conducted open pollination research on his various orchards. Got some Cornell funding, made a... (laughs) Made a hybrid apple that's better than its root. Good for him, you know? Good yeah. for him. Thanks, Lester. Yeah. You gonna take another bite? How about this? You take another bite of your apple, we're gonna go to our mid-roll, and then when we get back, we have another fun segment that you've planned, and we'll talk a little bit about our favorite ways to eat apples, some uh, tips and tricks, you know, all the stuff you guys look forward to. Hey folks, it's the mid-roll. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. Maybe a friend who thinks they know something about apples, but uh, 
doesn't. Hey, if you've just been sent this by a friend of yours, uh, you don't know shit about apples, and your friend knows that about you (laughs) and is judging you. But have no fear, because after listening to this, you will know more about apples, just like we do. Uh, For every new rating and review that we get during the month of October, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. Hey, Tefer, is there any other way to turn zero into six? I'm very bad at math. I didn't think so. So if that math is exciting for you, you can go do it. You can also read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. Uh, now that this show has been heavily focused on food for a while, uh, we went back and noticed that most of our existing Apple podcast reviews are pretty outdated, still talk about the show like it's a comedy podcast, and also misgender me. Apple podcast! <laughs> all right. Uh, so if you've already left a review in the past, maybe take this opportunity to go update it and we'll count it as a new review, even if it's technically just an update of an old one, because accurate reviews that don't misgender the hosts are more helpful than ones that do. <laughs> Two weeks from today, we will be announcing the nomination process for this year's Munch Madness tournament. So uh, start thinking now about what foods you think deserve to be part of the bracket this year, because very, very soon you will have the opportunity to nominate your faves and decide what will be going head-to-head in this year's tournament. Keep an eye out for that. That will be announced on November 1st. Lastly, if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's episode where Teffer's Yeah! podcast co-host Caddy Diop and I talked about okra. You know okra, the slimy green pod vegetable that is uh, super delicious when you can get past the slime. Uh, Go ahead and cue that up to listen to after you finish with this one. It's a very fun episode. We get into the beauty of hosting people and sharing a meal, the ways that okra defines cultures and so much more it's a really fun episode i would highly recommend going and giving it a listen all right we've had enough time to munch on some apples let's get back to the show all right tom so i have a segment uh i have a segment planned which i thought of basically as soon as you told me i was going to be on this episode Uh, i have a segment planned that i have tailor-made just for you. I am excited and nervous. This is a this is a rapid fire quiz oh, no. segment. <laughs> All right. Don't worry, don't worry. It's a two options, true or false type oh. thing. And we are asking, is this the name of an apple or is this the name of a Canadian colonizer? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh God. All right, here we go. Here I we will go. read the name and you will tell me if it's an apple or colonizer. Now colonizer is a loose term i'm using it for people's names but i'm also using it for other uh uh groups movements etc sure yeah apple is a broad term as well i'm using it for any kind of apple (laughs) perfect thanks for clearing that up (laughs) okay are you ready oh god i mean i'm not that ready i'm not taking canadian history till next semester jesus this will get you well prepared i guess All all right all right apples or colonizers number one gravenstein Ooh, Gravenstein. I'm going to say that's an apple. That's an apple. Pierre de Mont. Pierre de Mont? Pierre de Mont. Pierre de Mont. Ooh. Uh, colonizer? French colonizer? Bingo. Renderenette. Renderenette. Renderenette cannot be a person. That's got to be an apple. Apple. Fille de roi. Fille de roi. Okay, I know the fille de roi. The <laughs> fille de roi were a bunch of... Uh, were they prostitutes or were they, they just were young women? They were not prostitutes. They were poor. They, poor women in trouble with the law. So some were prostitutes and there others we were just poor. Yeah. Um, Sent over to, uh, you know. Be the wives be the for wives the settlers of, here. Yeah. Uh, that one was my only freebie in this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Adams Pierman. <laughs> Sorry. Adams what? Pierman. Pierman. 
Uh, Adams Pierman. Ooh, this is a tough one. Uh, ooh, ooh. Apple? It's an apple. <sighs> you are you are a hundred percent correct so far. Sweet. Early Joe. <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be fake, right? That can't be real. That's an apple? It's an apple. I was gonna say it's either an apple or a colonizer. <laughs> like it's not. All right, Selkirk. Uh, That's a colonizer. That's a colonizer. Grimes Golden. (laughs) Oh, wow. Grimes Golden has to be an apple. It's an apple. Northern Spy. Colonizer? Apple! Oh! Yeah, no, that makes sense. (laughs) I jumped the gun on that. That makes sense, Um, though. Overlanders. Uh, I'm going to guess the Overlanders were probably a group of colonizers. Mm -hmm. And finally, Wixen Crab. (laughs) and crab oh no is this an unfortunate name of a person or is this an apple uh okay i'm gonna guess that the wicks and crab is a variety of apple bread from crab apples it is a variety of crab apple yeah. very good you know what that was not bad i, I got one made, wrong I, th- I think you got two wrong two wrong yeah no, I think you only got the Northern Spy. Just wrong. the Northern Spy, which I immediately thought and I was like, wrong about. I tried to make this hard. Well, I'm gonna. We're gonna have to bring this back. I'm gonna have to try harder next time. <clears throat> you know what? That was fun though. This has <laughs> been apples or colonizers, a game by Teffer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, it's especially it's especially tricky because a decent amount of apple varieties were you know created by colonizers, and like it. Stands to reason that probably some of them named their apple cultivars after themselves, too. So, so I really, like, that was very challenging. I'm glad I did as well as I did, but I was absolutely guessing for most of them. I was actually trying very hard to find one that was both an apple and a colonizer. Not a single one. I could not find one, but there is an apple variety called Hudson's Golden Gem. Okay. I just didn't think it was fair to only call it Hudson's. Sure. You know? Yeah. I, I felt like that wouldn't be... That would be a low-down, dirty trick. Sure. I'm going to look a little bit more uh, for that because I I, I would really love to find that. Um, But, yes, there were some good apple varieties that I did not put on this list. Ashmead's Kernel. All right. A Baldwin. Baldwin is probably also a colonizer. Baldwin's got to be a colonizer. Belle de Boscoop is one of my favorites. That's pretty good. I should have used that instead of a Uh, Black Gillyflower. Arkansas Black. Blue Pyramane. It is not blue. Thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> so, Braeburn Apples. Do you know about Braeburn Apples? Uh, all I know about Braeburn Apples is that they exist. Braeburn Apples are from New Zealand, and they were my favorite apple as a kid. Um, they're really good. And I got very confused when I saw them on this list of like unusual heritage breeds, because I was like, I bought those in the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> we, they sell those at our grocery store. Do they? At the at Provigo, like yeah. There. Okay. Chenango strawberry is a fun one. That's misleading. There's an apple called Ben Davis. <laughs> I think I dated that guy. Uh, there's Cox's Orange Pippin is one of my favorite ones because it's just good. so satisfying to say. <laughs> Duchess of Oldenburg. Frank Rambour. There's just so many that I did not put on this list that I really should have, actually. Okay, okay, last one. Yeah. Apple or colonizer? You ready? Granny Smith. <laughs> a little known fact about Granny Smith is, uh, you know Pocahontas's husband? Oh, no. <laughs> she didn't marry John Smith, babe. No, I know. 
Oh boy. Um, <laughs> well, on that note, uh, let's talk about ways to use apples. Because we've talked a lot about, you know, what makes an apple delicious. We've talked about some varieties of apples. We've talked about, you know, your storied past with apples. <laughs> uh, let's talk about creative uses of apples beyond biting into one. You know, we've touched on pie, the apple pie, the most American thing. Let's talk about other tasty apple uses. I got one right out the gate, and that is when you get some sliced apple on a grilled cheese. Mm. Right? That mm-hmm. is beautiful. The the tartness, the sweetness of the apple cutting through the cheese. Mwah. Yeah. Tasty. Apples and cheese, a classic combo. I will, in my little gluten-free life, sometimes just make myself a little plate with sliced apple and cheese or, like, sliced apple and peanut butter. Love Mm. to just scoop an apple and peanut butter. Sure. Apples and cheese are great. Now, one that I grew up with, I'm just going to take it right back because apparently the show is now Taffer Talks about their childhood. That's okay. um, Is what we, I grew up calling apple schmarrn. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which we would make for special occasions, but which I found out later in life, most people call a Dutch baby or Dutch pancake. Yes. Uh, but when you make that with a little apple sauteed with like some butter and some spices and sugar and you th- make the Dutch baby with it, it's just like beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I love a Dutch baby. Um, I was first introduced to the Dutch baby also under the name of Apple Schmarren or Apple Schmarren. By Simon Peltier, former host of Up for Discussion, former oh, name of the show. he would call it Apple Schmarrn. Well, he, and he would probably. Does he? Okay, yeah. okay. I'm sorry, Simon. I'm sorry, Simon. I, I just feel that we have a kinship. <laughs> um, yeah, I was first introduced to that concept by him. And uh, yeah, it's real good. I real said good. it because I would absolutely believe that his parents had the same hippie cookbook that my parents had. Mm. That we got it out of. Possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, love that. Love a Dutch baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who doesn't love a Dutch baby? Now there's the classics. Uh, we got to talk about apple crumble. Sure. Now for you, what's your ideal apple crumble? Oats, no oats, doughy, granola-y. My apple crumble, and this is maybe controversial, <laughs> but my ideal apple crumble is actually the apple crumble at Rockaberry the pie chain here in Montreal. For folks who are unfamiliar with the Rockaberry pie shops in Montreal, they are a chain of uh, fantastic pie places that uh, kind of loose with the term pie a little bit. They're really more cakes, but they're kind of cream cheese cakes that are a little bit pie adjacent. Um, am I wrong? I don't think they're cream cheese cakes. I mean, they're I mean, pretty cream cheese there, heavy. There are ones with definite cheesecake components, but you can sure. also get like an apple pie. Yeah. So that's the thing. Their their most famous thing is their like cakes that are still called pies. They're, they're pie shaped cakes. Yes. Yeah. That are a big dome. You got to just look up Rockaberry pie and you will get photos and you'll know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. These are beautiful delicious a staple of my childhood and also of my adulthood uh because there has always been a rockaberry within walking distance of my house my entire life um well and it's the original one like it comes from our neighborhood right the original was in fact down on queen mary yeah uh, but like our neighborhood. and then it moved up to mockland but yeah uh, that's it so there's always been one like fairly close to me um their apple crumble is not a flat pie. It is one of their domed pies, uh, and it's so buttery. The it's a streusel. So That's what it is. What it's is that a streusel. A streusel. So it's the same topping you'll get on a muffin. 
that's mm. like flour, sugar, and butter. Sure. And you just crumble it up. Yeah. Um, so theirs is a streusel topping. Well, it's made a little clumpier. It's made yeah. a little bigger. Yeah. That's it. Um, and I love the clumpiness of it. Yes. For me, that's like the perfect the perfect bite. Yeah. Is like you get a little bit of the apple, the cooked interior apple situation, and like a big chunk of the streusel topping because the streusel topping has like just a little crunch to it, but it's still soft and it's buttery and it's delicious. That is my ideal apple crumble. And I know that that's controversial because it's like, is it an apple crumble? But I'm going to say yes. I mean, I love a streusel topping on an apple crumble. And personally, I would go for a streusel topping on an apple crumble. I would argue that the Rockaberry one is an is a streusel pie um, because it does have a bottom crust and I think for it to be a true crumble it does not have a bottom crust yeah that's it yeah it's got to be a little bit more um, (laughs) like a like a like a true apple crumble is yeah. kind of goopy. Yeah, you know? but I'm I'm also a streusel kid. Um, having grown up with hippie parents, the apple crumbles of my youth were largely like rolled oats and honey on top. Sure, which is like its own thing. It's pretty it's, good. And whole wheat flour, it's its own thing. But when I discovered streusel. <laughs> Which I discovered primarily on muffins because do you remember in the 90s when every muffin was like big and gorgeous and had a big crunchy streusel top? And Vaguely, now we yeah. get these little these little cylinders that are mostly parchment paper. Yeah. I miss the muffins of my youth. Yeah. In in like elementary and high school, I remember getting a lot of like big top muffins, yeah. you know, where you get the cruncher and What happened edge. to the big top muffins? Damn. What happened to the big top muffins? <laughs> but speaking of muffins, I also actually really like an apple spice muffin. Little little chunks of apple through there nice little spice cake yes yummy thing the the relationship between apple and cinnamon is Mm -hmm. one of those things that like i am i am pretty solidly agnostic at this point in my (laughs) life but there are certain things in nature that convince me that there is some kind of greater force out there that designs the way that the world works a little bit you know it's it's one of those things where i'm like this shouldn't be this perfect you know apples and cinnamon is one of those things that feels divine to me it does feel divine and it's wild too because cinnamon and apples come from different parts of the globe but they've come together and and they are made for each other beautiful 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 um speaking of apples and cinnamon i want to shout out one of my other favorite apple that apple baked goods apple backed goods boots with fur Which is Apple Charlotka, which I was introduced through through the Smitten Kitchen blog because she posted it. Apple Charlotka is a um, apple cake that I believe has Jewish roots, but it may actually be like, oh, it's Russian. It has Russian roots. Deb is just Jewish. Um, and it is an apple cake that is mostly apple. And mm. then you have an egg heavy kind of butter, a uh, batter. Jesus, where are my vowels today? Butter, batter, beetle juice. (laughs) So you have a bunch of apples, you have a bunch of eggs, you have a little flour to kind of bind it together. You have sugar, vanilla, cinnamon, powdered sugar. Mm -hmm. And you bake it together and it's just this tower of like baked apple. It's kind of, it's honestly kind of like the cake version of Apfelschmarrn. Yeah, I've had this. Yes. This is very good. Um, It is delicious. For the record. I love it. Lots of Russian Jews. So it's. Yes, well, I believe (laughs) I believe that Smitten Kitchen, that Deb of Smitten Kitchen, it is a family recipe passed down through her her mother's line of Russian Jews. Fair, yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Jewish apples, we would be remiss not to talk about the Jewish New Year treat of apples and honey, which our daughter is obsessed with. Wild, yeah. (laughs) Look, I'm not a honey person. There's not a lot of foods that I kind of like pass over. (laughs) 
joke for you. Uh, there's not a lot of like foods that I, I you know, say, nah, I'm good yeah. about. Honey is one of them. I, I think honey just hasn't clicked for me yet. Because there's, yeah. there's really, <laughs> with the exception of when it's like mixed with mustard, basically, mm. there's no context where I'm like eager to have honey. But even I like apples and honey. You really are the most anti-honey person I've ever met. I've never met anybody who was like, ick, honey, well, before. And, and let me be very clear, on an ideal, on like an ideal level, I am extremely pro-honey. I think honey is a delightful thing that ought to exist. I think we have to save the bees. I think honey is infinitely less evil than sugar <laughs> in terms of its like process of existing and uh you know how sugar is kind of just slavery as a product i just don't like the way it tastes and i feel weird about that because i want to we're gonna have to go to like an apiary and sample a bunch of different honeys because honey tastes uh teffer shut up i'm such a nerd i'm such a nerd every time we talk about anything i'm like but let me tell you about the varieties let me tell you about this food let me tell you have you tried this one have you tried this one this is why i'm on this podcast that's it that's why you're the perfect (laughs) co-host but no that's it i i want to like honey more than i do so if we get a chance to eat some good honey sometime i think what it is is just the the bear the fucking bear eh it's it's like clover it's honey, fine. yeah. You know, I feel like you should try buckwheat honey, which has a really nice depth to it. Is it gluten free? Buckwheat is gluten free. I, I feel like all honey is gluten free. I was just making a joke. Uh, yes, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is the aforementioned <laughs> <laughs> fucking know it all part of my personality. I actually um, prefer cornflour honey. But yes, a fun thing that I mean, cornflour. Yeah, yeah uh, a fun thing is that um, yeah. Uh, uh, so. Um, our seven-year-old, my, my daughter, uh, went to school and had apples and honey for Rosh Hashanah when they were learning about it in mm-hmm. a unit. And she will now, like, that's something she'll ask for for dessert. Right. And she, like, she's so, like, reverent about the ritual of it. And it's that. really beautiful. She's not Jewish. Um, <laughs> we're not Jewish. But it's very, it's it's a really nice thing. It's yeah. a special thing. And that's the thing with apples. It's always, like, a ritual Mm -hmm. like we talked about just crunching them and like yeah you'll cut them into slices but when i was little like a special thing was we'd cut them the star way where you cut Mm. the apple across the middle and then you have a little star in the middle like it's just nice they're nice they're nice little objects and they're tasty well and a thing that i think is really beautiful about apples is like i think you're right to say that there's kind of ritual to them right no matter how we are choosing to eat our apples there is always a little bit of something that goes into it. If the thing that you do is rubbing it on your shirt and then taking a bite, that's your ritual, right? There's something neat about that. The way that we the way that we kind of joke about an apple a day keeping the doctor away, the only way that that's true is if the doctor specifically is a colon doctor because once again the apple will help your fiber situation, which will help your poops. That, there's also vitamins. Yeah, but let's let's be real. Um, <laughs> What problems do I have that are vitamin-based? Scurvy. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> My teeth are falling out as we speak. Um, but the 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 way that we revere apples, the way that we have pop culture around apples, the way that we have songs about apples, yeah. the way that Twilight is an apple, the way that Adam and Eve eat an apple, the way that, that you know, we put an apple on a teacher's desk as yeah. a signifier of, hey, we appreciate the work you're doing. Here is an apple. <laughs> It's it's a beautiful, beautiful fruit. Yeah. Well, it's a ubiquitous fruit, right? Apples are everywhere. I mean, I'm sure there are regions where apples do not grow. But mm-hmm. but the fact that the apple, like when you said it's like Eve's thing, it's symbolic of, of man's fall, that, that's like symbolic of temptation, right? right? It's like apples are so good. Yeah. And also that, I mean, it certainly, I don't know, if Eve was real and that was real, it was probably not 
a modern apple. No. Like, <laughs> but like, but that's how ubiquitous it is as a fruit. Although, actually, this is a thing that I learned about earlier and forgot to write down, and I just remembered. Guess what two countries apples are probably most likely originally indigenous to? I mean, is it like from the area of the world that like most things come from? What's that? The Middle East. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Georgia and Armenia. Jaw I dropped. Am, I am... I am dumbfounded and i am delighted right it's because noah's ark landed on mount ararat right noah noah had the apples sure from eve passed down yeah this is canon now that's it so like my <laughs> argument here is maybe actually you know could have been an actual apple yeah yeah oh that's really fun i like knowing that not that i actually believe in adam and eve but but you know geographically come on you've seen lucifer <laughs> Hey, Adam never makes an appearance, all right? <laughs> I believe in I believe in Eve and Mazakin. And that is final. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I had one more fact that Absolutely. I wanted to run by you because I, I I expected it to be one of your facts to stump me with. Okay. Did you know mm-hmm. that apples, if you plant the seed of an apple, the tree that will grow will not bear identical fruit to the apple it came out of. So to to propagate apple trees, you graft them. So when you have, do you know what grafting is? You're furrowing your brow at I'm, me. I'm just listening really intently because I'm yes. really interested in this. Well, you know how with people, mm. if we make a baby. We did. The baby is not an identical clone of one of us. Although Toby's pretty close to Yeah, I was going to say, it's debatable. Yeah. Um, but like with apples, it's the same thing because they cross-pollinate. Mm. Um, but even if you like cross pollinate two of the same variety, there will be genetic differences. Sure. So in order to preserve breeds throughout generations, uh, orchardists, farmers graft um, the tree. They'll take a branch from the tree and turn that into a new tree because that's how you preserve the oh. genetic strain. So any old breed of apple any ancient heritage variety has been grafted and passed down and that's why preserving heritage apples can be so difficult because when they're in the wild they'll go crazy and improvise a whole bunch of new apples but when the old trees die off they're done wow that is incredible Mm -hmm. that's very cool Mm -hmm. huh well i've got one last apple fact for you as well did you know that you're the apple it. of my eye? Uh, <laughs> I know. You know what? You already said that we're romantically involved. In. You're, you're pushing it. You're pushing it, kiddo. I was trying to think of like the sappiest, like, welcome, folks. It's a new era of no bad food. <laughs> now with extra mush. Uh, listen, being on this show is highly appealing. Oh. Oh, wow, 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 wow. And I'm excited to be a core part of it. Well, I'm glad my new co-host is a tart. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, how saucy. That just broke me. And on that note, folks, thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod, at Tonsilatni, and at TefferBear. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, please consider going to Patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including... 
especially the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. So if you've been listening to this and going, man, I hope they do an episode about honey sometime soon, or man, they should do a second episode about apples. That was great. Guess how you can make that happen? Give us money. (laughs) (laughs) Patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice or by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last, but certainly not least, this episode was produced by Tom Zalatni and Tefer Ajemian. And edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Bye! <laughs> See you next week. You understand It just Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, the Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender, Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.